Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is In This League Overtime. Some of the best from Chris Welsh and Scott Bogman on the In This League Podcast Network and FNTSY. Now, it's time for OT. I'm joined now by my guy, Jake Seeley. You can find him on the Twitter machine at AllInKid. You can find him on FNTSY Radio. He is the accuracy expert, so you may want to listen to what this guy says. Jake, how the hell are you, man? I am doing terrific. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Are you ready to talk about football on April 5th? Yes, because as soon as the baseball season finally starts is when I can dive full-fledged into my draft stuff, which I've been doing over the past week and will be doing for the next two weeks. Yeah, and uh, you know, in the draft stuff, uh, the guy that's got to stand out to you the most is Saquon Barkley, and you know, you just watch his tape compared to anybody else. It's it's pretty. I mean, it's night and day, and there are many, many good players, but he's clearly the best player in this draft. I mean, you you got to agree with that, right? No, there's no question about it. I don't know if you heard, but he might be a generational talent. I don't know <laughs> if you heard that. <laughs> the funny thing was is, so last year, that being 2017, at this time, when we were talking about draft and stuff like that, I was saying keep an eye for next year, and because you know, everything we talked about for last year's rookie class, and I said next year's rookie class of running backs is going to be even better. And as I said the biggest thing is Saquon Barkley, and just know that he's probably the best draft prospect to come out since Adrian Peterson. Not the same style, but is the same type. He is a generational talent, and I was like, now I'm kicking myself. I said all these things because it's such the cliche. I haven't seen. One word more overused this offseason than generational talent when it comes to him. But that's the thing is, like, you know, he probably you, is, though. Like, that, I mean, that's what I was about to say is like, you know, we joke about that and it's become so passe to say it. But it's a truth. It, 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 as much as it's an annoyance, it is true. Right. And it, that's what like, uh, you know, on a couple episodes earlier, I, I talked to my guy, John Lobb, and I asked him where he put Barkley between Elliot and uh, Todd Gurley. So if you had to rank all three of those guys coming out of college and he had I think he actually had Barkley third. I still I have Barkley first. If, if you had to do that between Gurley, Zeke and, and Barkley, who would you like? What would your order be? It would actually, I would actually go Barkley, Gurley, Zeke. Uh, the only thing that could keep Barkley from being number one is that's with, I will admit one thing, his, his one flaw, and I think a lot of people are out there that have started to study draft prospects and have read stuff that's been out there so far will understand this and, and know where I'm coming from, is he doesn't finish well. And he, the fact is he doesn't finish well is because as big as he is, as strong as he is, and the fact that he can, he's not. Ezekiel Elliott and the fact that he's not going to drive through the defender. There's two different. There's there's a there's a difference between breaking tackles and slipping tackles. Right. He right. slips tackles. He's not break. He's not running you over. He could, and I think he needs to add that. Now, I'm not saying he needs to pound every single defender that comes and squares up on him. But the fact is, at the NFL level, you're going to get guys because of the speed of the game, because of the strength and everything like that, who are going to be able to square you up better than 
kids did in college. There's just no doubt about it. He's going to have to find that power, which he has. He just doesn't like to go to it. He'd much rather elude and slip the tackle. And he breaks the tackle by breaking arm tackles. He doesn't break the tackles by bowling through somebody. I think he can add that. He's never going to quite be Ezekiel Elliott. If he does, he's definitely definitively going to be number one. If he doesn't add that, I can see him slipping to almost a tie with Ezekiel Elliott, depending on which style you prefer. And I think that will depend on if the offense he's in. Uh, I think he'll succeed right. no matter where he is. But I think that'll that if he doesn't add that, if he doesn't add that to his game, I think that's going to hold him back from being the number one. Speaking of which, is Saquon going to be worth a first round pick? no matter what situation he ends up in. Obviously, uh, most mocks and all the draft chatter and stuff have him going to the Browns at four uh, or the Browns at one, but you know, most likely it looks like they're going to use that pick for a quarterback. Right. Uh, the Giants at two are a possibility. Uh, if he goes past four, I'd be very, very surprised. But is he, even with Carlos Hyde there or any other situation, do you think that he's just a first-rounder regardless of what team he winds up on? Yeah, I absolutely do. Actually, so I did my way too early 2018 rankings. I've done it like three times now already. I've actually, so I do it after, like right before the Super Bowl, then afterwards by a few weeks, and then recently after the free agent signing. So, and every single time I've had Saquon Barkley at seventh, and that's before knowing the team. Now, if he ends up on a team like the Browns, he'd probably stay right there uh, just because they do have Carlos Hyde. They did sign him, so he had that situation. If he ended up in the Giants, I'd probably bump him up a spot. If he slid further back and ends up on the Broncos, probably bumped up a spot. So I think depending on where he lands, he could actually move up. I don't see I don't see moving him down, put it that way. So I think he's at least number seven, if not potentially six or even five. Man, and that's uh, that, that's kind of from experience. I mean, you know, we've seen uh, Fournette come out and Zeke come out, and a lot of people say, ah, he's young. We've never seen him. I don't want to put him that high. Oh, yeah. You remember Ezekiel Elliott, right? So <laughs> he was somebody. That, now, I had him at the same spot, like six or seven, before he came out when he was drafted by the Cowboys. The night of him, writing my draft right up, and I said he's already top five by going to the Cowboys, potentially top three. And everybody's, he hasn't played it down in the NFL. I, I think you know this, Scott, but do you know that every single rookie in the history of football has never played it down in the NFL? <laughs> I just Is just in case. Right? Oh, yeah. my God. I, had I don't no know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, look, you know, people were – I was kind of afraid of Kareem Hunt, not because Kareem Hunt isn't awesome, but because Spencer Ware was there. And, right. and you know, Spencer Ware got hurt, and that was it. Kareem Hunt off to the races. Alvin Kamara, uh, obviously successful with Mark Ingram there. So, it, you know, if you have a generational talent like Saquon Barkley, it doesn't really matter what situation he winds up in. He's going to be a very, very high pick. Like if you wanted to take, you know, some of the guys that a lot of people are going to wind up putting behind him ahead of him, I understand it, but I don't know. I think I'm going to reach for the upside in most cases. You know what? If it wasn't such a long-winded, that'd be a great nickname. <laughs> Saquon Generational Talent Barkley. <laughs> Saquon <laughs> Generation. How about G we just call him GT? Hey, there you go. Generational talent. Or the generation. Just to skip his <laughs> name altogether. <laughs> God, there's no there's no player that's adding up to be a bigger bust. in Generation history, right? B. Oh, God. 
are there any other running backs from this class that are going to be worth at least a second round pick, no matter the situation, or is everyone else, uh, as far as running back goes, kind of team dependent? No, I actually think there's two, in my opinion. And I think Darius Geis, no matter where he lands, is going to be a second round pick, similar to Leonard Fournette. And there's a lot of people out there who thought that, you know, though you look at LSU like, oh, this is kind of a system situation with the success of Fournette and Geis and all that. The fact is, both of them are great talents. Yeah, it's and, a system because they recruit well. <laughs> right. And, you know, what the funny thing is, similarly to Leonard Fournette, he's a decent pass catcher that people don't realize he's a decent pass catcher because you want to talk about a system. The system doesn't really use their running backs in that type of fashion. It's just not they really what they do. They use wide receivers in that kind of fashion. Yeah, they don't you know, use the passing game. <laughs> <laughs> So I think Geist, no matter where he lands, although I do think he'll end up somewhat like Fournette where it's a lot more on the ground, even though he can pass catch, it's going to be a team that probably because he's a rookie and where he comes in and so many shared backfields at this point, I do think he'll be sharing some with somebody. Yeah. Uh, the other one I would say is Rashad Penny. Now, I'm not saying that's 100%, though, because depending on what happens in the draft, we see running backs slip all the time. And while the team might end up with a terrific value, a la Kareem Hunt, if Spencer Ware doesn't get hurt, I'm not saying like, – I've believed in Kareem Hunt the entire time. I'm not saying that Kareem Hunt wasn't going to have a great season, but there might have been a 50-50 split. And that is the potential. Like, if Rashad Penny doesn't go high and ends up falling to a team that has other running back options and they use him as 50-50 and the other person doesn't ever get hurt – then that's a little bit tough. On talent alone, Rashad Penny should be no matter where he lands. But I think only because of that, I would say the only one I will say definitively is Geis. Penny could definitely be there if he doesn't fall too far in the draft. And, and I like Penny because he's a guy that, um, you know, he could wind up being that Alvin Kamara type of of a dude because the guy can really catch. I mean, he can really, really run too. You want to talk about systems, San Diego oh, State. Yeah. Definitely a system. I, I was a big fan of Donnell Pumphrey coming out of San Diego State last season, but uh, obviously he couldn't stay healthy. But um, yeah, I mean, like Rashad Penny is just like a. a yeah. <laughs> He's 5'6, all right? There's no <laughs> problem with being 5'6, all right? Uh, especially, I love any guy that's just a couple inches shorter than me. So make me look tall. That's all I want. And be in the NFL. That's why Jose Altuve is my favorite baseball player. But. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I love Penny. I, I think Penny uh, is a little bit more dependent situation uh, on the situation because Darius Geis is a lot like Leonard Fournette, like you said. He, he's I don't think that he's there with Fournette, but he's the type of dude that will just plow dudes over. I, I'm really excited to see where he winds up. Um, yeah. We're looking at, I mean, uh, just all the chatter recently has been about the quarterbacks because, you know, the Wonderlick test score, like that even matters. Um all these teams are trying to position themselves to maybe move up. You know, the Patriots just traded Brandon Cooks, and the chatter is they're going to try to move two first to move up to get one of these quarterbacks. It's difficult to place where we should be getting, you know, drafting quarterbacks uh, in a rookies only draft. How far down would you put your first quarterback, and which one would it be? Because I'm trying to make like a top 10 for a rookie only draft, and I just have no quarterbacks in there. Yeah, the, the thing is, it's like even if we're just doing redraft, I I wouldn't even have a rookie quarterback inside my top twenty. I mean, like I'm looking down right now, and even there, I have like Mariota, Derek Carr. Uh, this where you're gonna take them. Then if you talk about rookies only, it's the same thing. It's like even if you're doing a dynasty, I understand wanting to get your quarterback. And to be honest with you, looking long term. 
I would still probably go Sam Darnold first. Uh, I do think that if you look at the pure ability, he's got the best talent. He's got the most projectability. All that being said, I think no matter who you take, you need to accept the fact that it likely is not going to be somebody who helps you this year. Now, if the mock drafts that we just saw recently come out and Josh Rosen ends up going to the Jets, I can see him playing. I, like He's the most ready. He's the best pure pocket passer. He's the best, honestly, in my opinion, probably the best passer, period. And all those talks about his attitude and all that type of stuff, I think you've seen as well, is he just wants more. He's like, he's so knowledgeable and so talented. So that smart, he, he doesn't want to go to the Browns. Well, that is true. Hey, would you want? Honestly, at this point, though, I would change my tune. I don't have a problem with the Browns at this point anymore. Uh, but that's the point. It's like he knows he wants to keep learning. And somebody likened it to like Aaron Rodgers. It's, the guy wants you to tell him something new. Don't tell him the stuff you're telling a freshman in college. Like, like he already knows that. And I think that's where you get the attitude. That's where you get the frustration. Uh, I, I do like Baker Mayfield. I do have concerns. I mean, there's a reason that Drew Brees is a rare breed. And there's a reason that you don't see six foot quarterbacks succeed that much in the NFL. You know, you look at Russell Wilson, but he has a very good scrambling ability. I think there's a reason for that. It, it's sad, but it's true. Is when you have six, seven, six, eight linemen standing right in front of you, <laughs> you can't see over them. Them. And yeah. then you have to force a five Any and seven movie theater for me. It's always you know, <laughs> Yao Ming sits in front of me. every single Always, time. always. I usually get that at basketball games. I usually don't get that to the movie theaters. But, you know, that's the <laughs> fact of the matter. Right behind the bench, of course. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. I have that kind of cash. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know that. <laughs> I think we're talking about ODU. Maybe. Maybe that's the one I go to the college game. That's better. <laughs> Like, but the fact is, you know, now you're looking at shotgun, which honestly, you know, shotgun offenses, there's a stat, I forget, it was either like Graham Barfield or Scott Barrett or one of those guys who are always great at throwing those stats out there was talking about how much the, the NFL has moved into the shotgun, how much more effective it's been actually for even running backs. So we might see that transition, which would help them, but it's a legitimate question. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson, that dual threat ability. But I think if you look at all that, like I said, I would take Darnold and honestly, it probably would be around nine or 10 before, because there's so many running backs in this draft class. And then wide receivers a bit thin, but I think I'd be looking at around eight, nine or 10, depending on what my team is before I decided to take a quarterback. Yeah. And it's tough because you don't want to be the guy that misses out on Deshaun Watson, right? Because Deshaun Watson looked incredible in the games he he played and we're hoping that he's not going to wind up being RG three and uh, you know, or Teddy Bridgewater and and getting hurt all the time or anything like that. But it's just tough to know. (laughs) What's that? I said he's already on his third knee. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, you know, so it's just tough to know where to, where to put these guys. And, and, you know, this this may be more of a, hey, Jake, help me out with my rankings kind of question here. But I just, uh, you know, I I guess more or less it just kind of depends on if you need a quarterback. Uh, where your uh, where your rankings are going to wind up going there. Uh, You you already kind of mentioned this. The wide receiver class doesn't seem to be exciting uh, to anyone, but I think there's a lot of talent here. Who are your top three, and do you have any sleeper wide receivers? So my top three is honestly dependent on where they live. Like, I hate to These say it. The like, complete opposite of running backs, right? It yeah, really like, so depends on where they land. There is depth. That's the thing. There's just no top tier receivers. Right. That's the that, and I think that's the difference is what we're saying is like you look at There's years no past generational talents. <laughs> that's very true. There is no. <laughs> but the thing is, I kind of almost have a top five 
that could just interchange depending I'll on what happens. Then. I'll, 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 you always go above and beyond. I love that. So, so my five right now. Now, that also being said is I release my full draft rankings next week being today's the fifth. So the ninth or the tenth they'll be out. So they might change a little bit. But as of today, I have Ridley, James Washington, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton. Um, a little bit lower on Sutton. Than, I mean, barely. But that's I mean, those are the five that I've been tossing around. And they're very tight, in my opinion. And it's also because I'm not as high as Ridley as um, Ridley as most people, right. despite I still have him number one. But it's just such a tight group that I've almost like I've gone one day where I've liked DJ more than James Washington. And the next day I'm like, ah, you know what? I watched this a little bit more and I'm going to put James Washington back. And then it's like, all right, well, James Washington, you know, if you look at the size and what he gets away with, is this going to translate to the NFL? All right, let me put Christian Kirk. So it's those are my five. If you want to talk about sleepers though to, to, to attack that question I think it's a, another school that continually gets overlooked when it comes to wide receivers from there and it was one where I was very high on Allen Robinson and another one that I'm very upset of what happened with Tampa Bay and now we're not going to get to see Chris Godwin this year again but I'm going right back to the well with Deshaun Hamilton who I think is I, I actually know he is one of the best downfield if not the best downfield receiver in this draft class I think depending on where he lands he could be a top 40 wide receiver as a rookie but he's going to to depend on where he lands because he's not going to go early in drafts. You're listening to In This League Overtime. Some of the best from the In This League Podcast Network. Find all their shows and more of what you've heard at InThisLeague.com. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. You're listening to In This League Overtime. Some of the best from the In This League Podcast Network. Find all their shows and more of what you've heard at InThisLeague.com. I, I like Dante Pettis' tape, but I'm, I keep he's I'm not sold on him yet. Yeah, I mean he's basically like John Ross Light, which you know John right. Ross was uh, a huge embarrassing failure failure last season. But of course it was beca- more because of Marvin Lewis and winding up on the Bengals than than anything. I mean it didn't help that his first touch went for a fumble. But uh, <laughs> you know uh, I, I like and it's funny because I've heard DJ Moore as high as uh, second. I think Mel Kiper might have DJ Moore first. I mean that's a little bias since he's a big Maryland guy but that that's the crazy thing about these wide this wide receiver class because <clears throat> personally me I, I love equating me to St. Brown uh, I don't think I'm getting his name right I'm probably butchering it um, I've heard it again I'll tell you Equinemius. 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 All right. Equinemius St. Brown I like him uh, from Notre Dame because you watch his tape it's not 
that impressive, but it's because a quarterback situation in Notre Dame was so terrible. And it's kind of the same thing with DJ Chark from LSU. DJ Chark, uh, you know, he was amazing in the senior bowl and everybody talked about his great practices all week and that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, why didn't we hear about this before? And it's you and I have already talked about that. That's why all the uh, running backs coming out of LSU look amazing because they have no quarterback to throw to these awesome wide receivers that they draft. I mean, Odell Beckham, Obviously, was an athletic freak coming out of LSU, so he went in the first round. But right. if he had a quarterback throwing to him, obviously he would have gone much, much higher. So, see, my problem with well, my problem with Equinemius is I feel like he's Jalen Strong to me, and the fact. Well, no, here's you'll understand why in a second. I think it's the three S's: it's the size, speed, and strength, and he has it, and he has that, and he has the moves, but. It, he doesn't do great in tight coverage, and I think that we're getting enamored with the player and making excuses for him, similar to Jalen Strong. And I feel like if he never really develops, because he still needs to develop on his own right. Yeah. And you can, you can make the blame on the quarterback and saying, well, it's hard to develop when you have that kind of quarterback play at the same time. I just, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a Notre Dame fan and I've seen so much of them and I'm starting <laughs> to, di- I feel like I'm starting to dig my heels in yeah, and maybe I'm yeah. going to be wrong for doing that. But it's just from what I've seen is like, I just don't want to make that say, cause I was somebody, I was a Jalen strong apologist and I feel like I'm doing the same thing. If I do it for Equinemia and St. Brown. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I watched his film, and this is probably just body type. He looks so much like A.J. Green, you know, so I just get so that. So we're getting enamored by his body and, and yeah. the combination. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you you're, you definitely could be right. And I think Equinemius St. Brown is very dependent on the situation because, uh, and I don't think he's going to be one of these guys that comes out and is immediately successful. Uh, Do you I think be- he's ever going to go by St. Brett? Like, we'll ever say St. Like, I, I've never heard anybody just be like, you know how, like, we'll say, hey, Ridley or Washington or Kirk or what? Like, I don't see anybody that's ever just said, hey, you know who I really like in this draft class is St. Brown. Like, it's always Equinemius St. Brown. You have to say all three names. You have to say the name. What what we did on our college fantasy football show was I just started calling him EQ. I was like, I'm not trying that. I was like... uh, Oh, that's fine. I was uh, like, oh, man, why can't I remember his name? Um the SNL guy, I don't know. He the, 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 in the horrible bosses movie uh, when when they had the, oh. uh, the Indian guy and he's like, "Come on, man, your name's not Paul. Just tell us your name." And he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Nope, I'm gonna just say Paul because that name is an effing nightmare." <laughs> yeah, so that that's what I went with uh, f- for him in the college show. I just started calling him EQ. Hey, no no one me. else is EQ, right? No, no. Yeah. You can't find anybody else. Uh, last one I have here for you, and this, of course, I had to get one difficult one in here. Um, what are the teams that are most that most desperately need a skill position player, and what is that position? So, like, if you wanted to say like Jets wide receiver, Jets quarterback, Jets general manager, you know, <laughs> if you wanted to say like, how, how would you put that as far as this draft class goes? I definitely think the Bills need a wide receiver, uh, especially. Yeah. With what happened with Jay Jones, although at this day and age, it just seems like things should get thrown out two months later somehow and just get, you know, oh, by the way, we're not. Who was the one? It was just last week. Somebody just, oh, was it Robbie Anderson or who was it? Yeah, it was Robbie Anderson. We're like, all right, we're not charging him anymore. Dismissed. Yeah, yeah like, that's what, <laughs> what we the were mentioned. Hell, man. <laughs> 
we were like, mentioning that on uh, on the full sixty show, and I said, "Hey, uh, great to see the little guy win one finally." Right? What the I hell? Like, I was just like sitting there, like, you know what? Good for me for fantasy purposes because I actually own him in one dynasty league. But at the same time, I'm just like, there's you no. Or I said that to a cop. We'd exactly. Be dead. There's no effing way that any of us get away with that. And then it's like, good God. So, all right. Well, so Bill's <laughs> wide receiver, uh, I mean, but I think that's obvious. I think we know the quarterback, the Bills, the Jets. We know those. Those are kind of obvious. So uh, I would say with that, I think the Jets, though, don't need a wide receiver. I will say uh, the Cowboys kind of filled their solution with the wide receiver by having Alan Hearns. So after that, I would say if they <laughs> – I don't know what Gettleman's doing because I would say running back for the Giants, but at the same time, you know, he brings in Jonathan Stewart. You stay really haven't done much with Wayne Gallman. Orleans Darkwell was actually more impressive. Like bringing like, in Jonathan Stewart is like putting a Band-Aid on like just a gushing, bleeding wound, right? I was going to say like a dam or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to keep it to the Band-Aid, but yeah, uh, yeah kind okay. of, a little bit. But you know what? This is going to be the one that maybe people know. It's obvious, but I think that most people are like, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right, because everybody's focused on the running back position for them and how big of a need it is. But let's talk about the fact that the Colts really need a wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, like Ryan Grant, really? Ryan Grant. And I, you know, I feel bad for him. I mean, did that guy ever get dicked over by the Ravens? And then, <laughs> but to be to be fair, five hundred yards and four touchdowns is a breakout season. Like I know you outplayed Terrell Pryor, but that was for another reason and the fit and all that type of stuff. And Josh Doxson had no kind of consistency. Finally, the fact he was even able to stay on the field. But they need a number two wide receiver bad i mean they need, definitely need a running back but that's not i would say that's not far behind yeah i think the reason you hear running back so much is because you know they seem to be in a position to wind up taking barkley before the trade but yeah i mean it's ty hilton and nobody at this point right. ryan grant is the two chester rogers i mean you know they like the tight ends and they signed eric ebron and they still have jack doyle so but you're absolutely right i mean that that is one of those where, where you kind of go, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the one one that keeps sticking out in my mind, and I think it's because I just don't believe in what Oakland has done is Oakland and running back. You know, I know they still have Marshawn and they signed Doug Martin, but uh, what is Doug Martin good for? Three games, four games, and Marshawn Lynch is a hundred. So I just feel like Oakland, maybe not as far as. They're not as desperate as the Giants, but they got to get somebody in there, right? You would think. Uh, I would definitely. And here's the biggest thing is uh, this is written up by, um, what's this, not Jamie Eisenberg. Dave Richard for CBS wrote about it when the signing happened, when John Gruden was official, talked about the running back usage that he has in the past. And one, he doesn't use anybody that much of a bell cow, but two, likes pass catching running backs. So immediately you would say, well, Marshawn Lynch doesn't fit. Well, right. Marshawn Lynch is still with his team for some reason. Took a pay cut and stay, everything like that. Doug Martin actually would be a little bit better of a fit, but we've seen two good seasons and four terrible ones, and those two good seasons were boosted by a couple great games and the rest of the season being eh. So I have no faith in Doug Martin. Jalen Rashard, DeAndre Washington, he has no ties to those guys. Uh, he could come in, draft somebody. Those two could be gone by the time they hit training camp. So I'm with you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders come out of the draft or maybe even because the running backs are so deep, there ends up being undrafted running backs that are sitting out there with talent and that 
there is a third person that's not Richard or Washington, and that would be the one that would intrigue me, honestly, the most to take it, like the late in drafts or maybe in best balls or something like that. Um, the one other team I would say is let's talk about wide receiver and running back just like we did with the Colts. I mean, what's left with the Seahawks now? Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I, Thomas Rawls is gone. So they <laughs> have <know>. nothing. <laughs> well, Chris uh, Carson's healthy. Yeah. And CJ Prosize as of today and Mike oh Davis as of today. Yeah, I mean, you just want to, like, why do they just keep taking every single injury prone running back? I mean, and I could already hear, by the way, the Tyler Lockett supporters yelling at me through the, the headset for, like, <laughs> I like Tyler Lockett, but the he's biggest, a three. You know, I, that's, I've always said, like, hey, here's the biggest thing. You know what? Even, let's uh, just throw, let's say they take Calvin, Calvin Ridley somehow. It just like, falls all the way down. Just, I still wouldn't be that high because this is what I've said for years on end about the Seahawks. People need to come to realize this is they use their number two wide receiver almost like a running back by committee. Is they're not like their number two, quote unquote, isn't a real number two because right. they're not on the field all the time. They rotate them for matchup That's why people like Tyler Lockett because he'll occasionally give you that huge week. Right, right. And people just don't seem to realize that. Uh, do the Rams need anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're good for now. You sure? Well, we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe they need a new Wonderlic test for for Jared Goff because now he seems like a genius. You know, year one he seemed like the guy that didn't know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Now he looks like you know, dude that went to Harvard. He looks like Matt I was, Burke. I was still not sure that he does. I just think Sean McVay's a warlock. That's all. That's what I really <laughs> think it comes down to. He sold his soul. He was like, hey, Belichick, where can I get that deal? Uh, Is there anything else before we let you go that uh, needs to be said about this draft class in particular? Anyone we didn't hit that you're really uh, keying on? Uh, Not as of yet. I I will pimp my own stuff and say check it out next week. Um, I would say, you know, running back wise for a sleeper and I think some people are already out there talking about him is John Kelly intrigues me depending yeah. on where he lands I think Mark Walton has a lot of question marks I love but Mark Walton I, I think that if he falls and ends up in a situation like Camara, and I know that Camara was like the one that everybody keeps saying I, I will say that real quick everybody keeps saying Sony Michelle is Camara. well you know what? Sonny Michelle doesn't catch that much. Now, I think he has the ability, but go back and look at Sonny Michelle's numbers and his play. And yes, I understand the similarities that people want to draw play style wise, but let's chill a little bit in the fact that he's not going to come out and catch 60 passes next year. Um, that being said, go back to it. I actually think Mark Walton might potentially have that kind of ability because similar to Penny, as in somebody, if you get the ball into his hands, all of a sudden you blink and he's 20 yards downfield. I think he could be – that's the thing, though, is with these running backs, again, it comes back to what I said earlier. Like, even on Johnson and Royce Freeman and all the rest of them, I mean, you go down this list, and it's really going to depend on where these guys land. I mean, you go down to Naheem Hines, and he could surprise, yeah. depending on if he's in the right team. Yeah, he is He is a burner through and through. I mean, that's a dude that could wind up – you know, you talk about your uh, – you know, I'm a Steelers fan, so I'll use this. Your Willie Parker versus Chris Rainey upside – you know what yeah. I mean? He could wind up being either one of those dudes. Oh, you, can you guess which one? Uh, there's a hint early in the show if you want to guess which running back that I'm not that enamored with. Is it Ronald Jones? No. Josh Adams from Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, that offensive line. He's oh, like my Garrett God. Blunt. I mean, you know. Yeah. So like Josh Adams was like 10 yards downfield before somebody touched him half the time. Yeah, I mean, he will run run an mf or over, that's for sure. Josh that's Adams, what he will do, but if he has an offensive line with any question marks, yeah. forget about he it. He can't wind up in Seattle. 
You know what I mean? Like no. he, he can't wind up there. He's got to wind up in a in a good good situation. You know, he's got to wind up like in Pittsburgh, where you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell gets eight thousand carries and he can be a goal line type of dude. You know that that's the situation he needs to wind up in. And, you just, know, if Matt Forte was still around, put him on his team so he could vulture all the touchdowns. <laughs> Luckily, we get to, you know, no one had. I love Matt Forte, so I was a sucker taking him every year. But I'm kind of glad he's retired, so I don't have to fall into that trap anymore so <laughs> are you uh are you a matt forte hall of fame um you know i would have to look at the numbers but i mean he's got to be fairly close i he think good he's for a long time i think he's fringe miss yeah. but it's, it's so close uh it's just it's tough i think after everything's said and done there's just going to be so many running backs with better numbers than him that he's probably not going to make it i you know I feel like that could wind up happening to Heinz Ward, too. Uh, you know, Heinz Ward, uh, yeah. Super Bowl MVP, a thousand receptions, a uh, bunch of touchdowns. But I think because of the way the NFL is going, uh, there's going to be so many wide receivers with better numbers that, you know, people, are, you know, that that's the first thing that people look at is the numbers. They don't take into account that, you know, Heinz Ward was taking out players uh, and, uh, you know, setting up touchdown runs with his vicious blocks, too. So, yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll see if that happens. But I want to say thank you, Jake, for uh, stopping by. I had to wake up a little bit early to get you <laughs> on, but uh, totally worth it. And thanks so much for coming by and check him out on FNTSY. He's got his uh, rankings coming out soon. And he, your rankings are the only ones I use. You can't go anywhere else. <laughs> so that that's the ones I use for uh, my offseason. I'm like, what, where does Jake have this guy? Let me look at this. So uh, <laughs> if you're drafting now and you're an insane person like we are, we're doing. A, we just started fired up our first mock of the off season, and uh, if you're doing that, Jake is the man. You got to go find his uh, his rankings. Check the link. You can find it on his Twitter at All In Kid. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks. Prospect one. So about 20 minutes after the report hits, Chavis drops a personal message on Twitter. A lot of guys will do stuff like this. This is the longest one I've ever seen. It's over four paragraphs. It Usually, must be the most sincere then. Here's just like a little snippet of some of the stuff he said. He goes, says, today I am faced with the reality that I will be suspended under Major League blah, blah, blah. Uh, I like this. He's like, over the past several months, I've been searching for an answer to how a prohibited substance I've never heard of, DHMCT, which you know, was detected in my urine during the offseason. Uh, he says it's unfortunate. He says he fully supports a drug system. Um, it's really painful to see that he's now in it. This is something that I took to heart when he said this. I thought this was uh, at least telling in the response. He says, anyone that knows me as their son, brother, teammate, player, or friend is aware of how deeply I love this game and who I am as a person. They also know that I would never jeopardize my career and the integrity of the game or disrespect myself or my family by purposely taking a banned substance. Finally, they know how drug and alcohol have personally affected my family, so much so that I have never tried either of them in my entire life. So he's kind of admitting to you know personal struggle in, uh, in you know, that area, which I have had, not me personally, but I have had in my family. Personal stuff go on there. He goes on. Uh, he talks about he you know wants to do everything he can to try to uh, repair his relationship. It's a long thing, and I think I mean you see that in it. it the initial reaction is it's pandering. 
That, I mean, let's just call it a spade a spade. The initial reaction is it's pandering. We saw that. Didn't Gregory Polanco or Starling Marte or somebody get one of those? And it was just so, it was like well, a paragraph. Well, Polanco never, and, never tested positive. Not well, Polanco. Was, Who am I? was it Marte? Yeah, it was it was Starling just Marte. Completely uh, well, insincere. Well, you know who insincere. did the most famous version of this? And this is why no one buys it. And this is probably why you're getting, like, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm impressed that you still have the wherewithal to, because to me, it sounds like you're kind of buying it. Are you kind of buying it or no? Um, I don't know. I think there, I, I don't know exactly. Even the fact that, that you say that to me means that you aren't completely jaded like a lot of other people are. I just, I, he's a lying liar. You know, Ryan Braun is a lying cheater. And, and that was the guy, that was the last guy I was like, well, you're saying, you're saying kinda, Chavis is a lying liar. He's a lying liar. Oh, okay. And, and, and uh, I, you know, Ryan Braun was, is kind of the last straw for me. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. In This League Overtime. Want more? Go to InThisLeague.com. Here's Bogman and the Welsh. Obviously, personally for you and me, it digs a little deeper because he was on those horse steroids when he hit five bombs against the Diamondbacks in the playoffs. You know, Boggs, it's really interesting that you're saying this because that's not something I had thought about where because at first I was just going to say, well, okay, what? Like, so Ryan Braun jaded you. But I know what you're talking about because Ryan Braun dug his heels into like he uh, this had Aaron Rodgers backing him up because they yeah. both play in the Milwaukee area. He was trying to get all these people on his side, and then he tested positive again. And you know, you know, at that point, he's just a lying liar. That's a great point, scumbag. I, yeah, that 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 is. I mean, hey, listen, man, that that is a great point. That dude dug his heels in Ryan Braun, and he did not. And and furthermore, he kind of he screwed up the um, integrity of the uh, the dude who got the sample. Yeah, he, he threw that guy into the bus. So he was a scumbag, absolute scumbag. Listen, dude, I think there is question in general because there is a part of me that does have the belief out there that there are so many over-the-counter natural supplements that have so much crap in it that could they kick off some of this stuff? I, I do think it's possible. Could there be stuff in meat? I don't know. It's possible. Do I buy <laughs> 90? Could there be aliens? It's possible. It's possible. It is a possibility. I can't say for a fact there are no aliens. Some of the unique stuff, though, like I think there was like some player that was like, you know, tainted meat or something like that. Like that's pretty far-fetched. Right, yeah. And, and listen, th- there is so much going into everything nowadays. I do think right. it is possible there are traces of certain things that kick off some of these tests in other elements. So I'm saying that. Here's the other thing I'm saying. I think it is. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. I think it is idiotic for anybody, idiotic to not know what you're putting in your body, even if it's an accident. It could be a total. You could have gone and got some uh, blue green algae. You could have got some, you know, men's multivitamin by Garden of Life or whatever, and putting that in you when your job is put on the line based on the things that you put in your on your in your body. Guess what? Mine isn't. I can put all types of horrible stuff in my body. Guess what? I do. So do you. 
when your job is based on the things that you put inside your body, you should know everything. I, me, I would take every supplement I have and I would go to MLB <laughs> and I would get written confirmation that this is something that I can have. Can I have this? Is this, is this okay? I would have everything tested. So that's me. Could it be a mistake? Yes, it could. But there, therein lies to me, there is a window to say that I think some of these guys could get mistakenly put to well, it. Well, here's, okay, so I'm, I'm looking at, this is the same stuff that Chris Colabello got popped for. And there's an SB Nation oh, article. Uh, it says by Dang You to Heck. I don't know who that is, but this is an SB Nation article. And this says, uh, you know, what is uh, on the first part, a little history of what this crap is. The DM, whatever this name is, is known as Oral tur- Turnabal. As the name implies, it is taken as a pill. It was developed and patented in 1961 by East German Pharmaceutical Company and used as a performance-enhancing anabolic steroid for decades. It's one of those PEDs that's mainly responsible for all those communist gold medals handed out uh, from then (laughs) until tests were developed to detect it. Uh, Now, why no one should be taking this crap, he goes on to say, first these days it's not made by a pharmaceutical company anymore. It was discontinued as a uh, sanitarily produced quality-controlled dose uh, accurate compound back in 1994. It is only available through black market labs. So, okay. I mean, someone still could have slipped this to him. You know, uh, you know, one of his trainers could have put it in a shake or something along those lines. So it's not something that you have to inject into your body like uh, all that, all those horse steroids that Ryan Braun was taking. But it is something that, you know, if you're taking it, it's most likely you know what you're taking. I mean, and that's that probably goes to the suspension. And I'm okay with that. Like I said, I'm not here and I like I, I'm jaded in it because I have a uh, I, I don't really have a relationship, but I've had a I've seen the guy I've been around the guy. I personally have been a proponent of him, you know, in my prospect rankings. Yeah, He's been like a sleeper it. guy. I like the guy. The first thing I tweeted out when I saw this was I couldn't be more disappointed in this. This sucks. Okay. Then I read the statement, and I just here, – here's what I said. I said – You want to pull for these guys. Uh, you want to pull know. for these guys. I thought – and I don't know what you think, and obviously you hate all of them, and that's totally fine. <laughs> I thought the the length of the letter and the, there was some candid stuff in there, and maybe it was me when he talked about the personal struggle in his family with uh, drug addiction and not going there. I, that meant something. I don't know what it meant. Does it mean he wouldn't do it? No, sure. Some guy could be like, okay, I'm more motivated to get more money so I can make sure my family's taken care of. Sure, there's a thousand things. So I don't think one way or another. But what I said – as I quote tweeted his response, and I said, pretty powerful response to the suspension. Right. Is that wrong? I'm going to no, start there. Okay. No. Okay, so that's stop there. right. I thought it was a powerful response to the suspension because it wasn't a sentence. It wasn't through a lawyer. It was through him on his Twitter account on, like, a term paper, this looked like. I follow. I say, a lot is covered here, way more than most would. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Finally, I said, good to see Michael Chavis, and I added him, facing it head on. Right? Uh, maybe. Okay. Do you, you, I mean, a, you, could, you could be dancing. You know, th- this could be. Th- th- and this what is does why facing no one, it head on mean to you? Because I, I got called out on well, that. Well, it depends. Comment. It depends. If this is. If 
this could be facing it head on the, the Welsh. This, this could be, you know, Hey, look, I didn't do this. I don't know how this got into my system. I think this was a bad test. I absolutely did not do this. And we find out that, you know, some trainer put something in his, you know, in his drink. I gave that up because it, this isn't an, uh, an injectable steroid. So I this absolutely say. could have been slipped to him. But if he did do it and he knows he did it, he's dancing and he's not facing it head on. He's hiding. Whereas it would be much better to just say, you know what, I got caught. Okay, well, I listen. apologize to my family, all that garbage. If so I just don't know. If he's lying, he's lying. That, right. I, I'm not arguing that. And I'm not saying anything about that, to be frank. I'm not saying, is he lying, is he not? I didn't say, good to see Michael Chavis proving his innocence. Good to see Michael no. Chavis uh, shutting the haters up. I'm saying it's good to see Michael Chavis facing it head on. Because he's not hiding. He's responding to it. I'm not. Now, is yeah. he lying? He's, he could be lying. That's very likely. He's definitely responding to but it. But he is facing it no head on, which is yeah. a response. All right, let's talk about this on the other side of the break. We'll okay. finish up some more. More Michael Chavis talk. And I'll tell you because guess what? He responded to me. So we'll talk about that. I just want to read the, this line because this, this was another uh, line that I didn't get to read. This is the same article from 2016 after Colabello got popped for this stuff. Okay, so um, just a recap. Colabello yes. got popped for the same stuff that Chavis just got popped for. Right. Okay. And and the SB Nation, the, uh, one of the Blue Jays writers uh, called Dang You to Heck, uh, that's his name on this article anyway. Uh, he wrote a, a long article about this drug in particular, and uh, they, he talked about how it went out in 1994 and you had to get it through black markets. This is pretty intense here. You stand an excellent chance of poisoning yourself or becoming stupidly stomach sick on this stuff. Uh, then should you actually get some of the real thing in a dose that's correct and won't render you confined to your bathroom with the scours, you stand an excellent chance of destroying your liver. Dehydrochylomethotestosterone is well known to be very hard on the liver, and uh, many on the Eastern Bloc athletes dosed with it, often without their knowledge, suffered hepatic liver and renal kidney failure in, in later life as a result. Few lived long, full lives after being on a regime of this stuff. It's intense, man. That's it's very, very intense stuff. And... And I just want to point out that I'm not like I don't know if if this guy and, and I gave up the point that you know this is a pill so could someone have slipped it to him absolutely I just I just don't this is one of the very few things where you're just guilty until proven innocent as far as uh, the court of public opinion sure. and it's just and it's just because the, the fact that most guys are guilty and sometimes you know it's, I mean? and sometimes to, to go further it's not about till you're proven innocent it's just till you're proven forgotten. Don't people forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, that's no one's talking about Starling Marte. I, I mean, I had I had no idea that uh, Colabello did this. I mean, people are still talking about Marte. That was just last year. Yeah. But, but I mean, people also people are just talking about how the Pirates no one will doing. remember this in in five years. Anyway, that Chavis did this unless he gets popped again. Yeah. No, 100 so. percent. It didn't get into his body by accident. And it wasn't I'm not saying that he didn't that he definitely knew that he was taking it, but someone knew they were giving it to him. You know, so if he has a trainer, he's got to cut all those people out of his life. 
because 100%. someone did this. To, I mean, it would be just like someone poisoning you. I mean, or, you just read this. If you're not dosed right, this this stuff can kill you. Or like you said, he's just a liar, you know, or he's just yeah. simply lying about the fact of um, of of guilt. And, but I though, mean, the the, 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 the the guy that the the last guy that that maintains his innocence, I think, is Roger Clemens. I don't think many other guys. Yeah, he's held you on to that. Yeah, you're right about that. So, <laughs> at the end of the day, like you said, we're in this state where your comparison was perfect. Of this is a Ryan Braun state. It could be uh, in theory. It is for me. I just feel completely jaded and feel I felt lied to. Not in the same fashion, but. More than I've seen a player in a while, long letter and, and got personal with personal things in his family and really hit home. And he did it 20 minutes after the report was in. I mean, he was he was ready to go. And furthermore, he responded to many people and people were not nice. Of course, the Internet was was slamming yeah. and he's kind of a religious guy and he was putting some stuff up there. So then. So like I said, I think I'm one of the first people or whatever to kind of quote tweet it. I probably wasn't, by the way, but I quote tweeted it with just my comments. And like I said, I said, pretty powerful response to the suspension. I think it's accurate. A lot is covered here. It's accurate. Way more than most accurate. Good to see Michael Chavis facing it head on because I felt that he's not hiding from it. I, again, I didn't say you're not guilty or you're innocent. Good for you for blah, blah, blah. I just said you're facing it head on because you're going on Twitter you wrote a, a freaking page about it, and you're getting personal. And I thought the, the stuff about the family stuff was very personal. He responded uh, pretty quickly after I, um, I quote tweeted this, and he, he liked and retweeted my thing. So if you go there, I'm one of his top ones. And he said, I have nothing to hide. I know the truth and would do anything to prove it to everyone else. I don't know how this happened, but I will show that what I've accomplished was all me. That was his Ma- response to me. <clears throat> that's I mean, that's uh, first of all, it's wild that he responded to you. But I feel like maybe, you know, I think it does build a little bit more case towards him that he is responding to people saying stuff like this. Now, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm looking for uh, will, will you do me a favor since people respond to you and everyone hates me? Why don't you send uh, a DM or not a DM, but a tweet to Chris Colabello and say, do you have any comments on uh, Michael Chavis's situation? Uh, I don't even know if he's on Twitter. He is. I'm looking at it right here. So here, well, I'll send it to him. Okay. Yeah, you send it to him. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to look like a silly goose when he doesn't say anything. Yeah, but it's fine. I mean, he's not going to respond to you right now, but maybe you'll get I don't think he'll respond to me at all. I'm, I'm just going to ask him. The uh, responses were uh, different. <laughs> some, oh, some, no. some towards me, some towards him. A lot there's a lot of you know his fans or whatever that obviously probably saw the retweets were you know they were for him. You know, heads up, buddy, this will pass. God bless that. You know, blah, blah. But well, he's th- not a criminal or anything like. And I for a long time I held real hatred for for cheaters. I mean, I'm still going to call them cheaters because you know guys that do this, they're you know they're cheating. Uh, but you know, this is a mistake. Even if he did it on purpose, it's a mistake. And he's a young man and he has time to make up for it and become a better person. So even if he did do it, he's not evil. You know, he's yeah. just a kid that made it. He's a, a nice guy. He's, by the way, he's a nice guy. So th- this was one this was one of them. He <laughs> said this guy quote tweets me. He goes facing it head on. Good golly. I like that. He said golly. He <laughs> denies everything as per usual and shields himself behind quote God pity comes into league with a strike against him and always tainted by that hopefully he can learn from this what was the strike against him that he came into the league i don't know that 
Well, I think this right. is the strike against him. Uh, I thought there was maybe another one. So he was saying that would he can hopefully he can learn from this. I will <laughs> say I did uh, I did offer for him to come on prospect one. I said, okay. as you know, as it says, also, I know you're responding to people. I have a platform with my show, Prospect One. If you'd like to speak a piece on it, glad to have you on, but get why you want. So, you know, there's an open invitation. Like, I, I think I said it in that. You're welcome to come on. And uh, he didn't respond. I don't assume he's going to respond, but uh, it's out there. I put it out there and you're, he's more than welcome. I said, I got a platform. There is a platform here, whether it's a, the platform that he'd want. I mean, you'd easily you just go to... You know, just go off to MILB or talk to Jonathan Mayo or something like that. You could do that. But, uh, you know, I think I was one of the first people he responded to. And uh, it's an it's an open door. So if you got questions, obviously, about Michael Chavis and how to deal with it, you can you can ask me as far as a fantasy perspective. Huge blow, huge blow to fantasy. But let's talk about some of the big performances. Let's kind of move through that uh, a little bit and talk about what happened in the first couple games opening up for the minor league season because it's killer. It's a killer time of the year, and you get a lot of, uh, I don't know if you call it confirmation bias or something like that, but it's early on. Overreacting one way or another, I think, is you have to be calculated in it. You don't want to overreact because of a a poor performance. Gabriel Arias, he went 0 for 4 with, I think, two strikeouts in his first game. (gasps) It's okay. Like, maybe that's going to to continue and you have to monitor it, but we we can cool our jets a little bit. And and unfortunately, and I'll, I'll cop to this, maybe this is one of those things where you see, you know, the positive and you focus more on the positive and you're like, ah, don't worry about that negative. Maybe it's not fair, but... For me, I, I want to take a look and I want to focus because we can't focus on the negative. I want to focus on the positive results. Uh, some pitchers had some really good stuff, but some hitters came out slamming to start. And I think it's important to focus on. But the first was I think the very first game of the minor league season that opened up was the Oklahoma City Dodgers were uh, were going and Walker Bueller was the start. And I think they were doing a double header, but Walker Bueller started that first game. I missed the first inning. I jumped in on the second inning and man, Bueller is just that dude. It did something else. He is fantastic to watch. His fastball was just popping in. He's got really good life to it. He was zipping that in 96, 97 hitters were having fits and he just buckles that curveball i mean it's it's reminiscent of the stuff i talked about with uh like mckenzie gore you know i mean mckenzie gore's mckenzie gore's curve actually might be it bites a bit more uh but he's and uh, i think he might throw it a tick tick slower than bueller but there's life on it you know it's kind of the same life just buckling curveballs uh bueller has a pretty good slider he wasn't getting swings on it but in the game so he goes in, first batter, I don't remember who the batters were, but um, strikeout on the fastball. He just knee buckle strikes out the next hitter on a curveball. And then the next hitter, because they were playing against the Cubs. Oh, this is the Iowa Cubs. That's it. Uh, my guy, David Bodie. You remember, you know, me and Bodie watching his home run at the Fall Stars game. Bodie comes up and he rockets one. And I think it was off of the curveball that was thrown. And he, I thought it was a homer. It looked like he destroyed it. It ended up being like a, like a ground rule double because it went like into the back of a sign or something. I didn't see it bounce. I think it actually literally might have landed before going over the wall. It went into the sign and he avoided giving up uh, a home run, which was nice. But his final total, he went four, struck out five, walked one, only gave up three hits with one earned run. I thought Walker Bueller looked fantastic, and he is definitely on his way for a rotation spot sooner rather than later. So Walker Bueller, my. 
This was In This League Overtime. Some of the best from the In This League podcasts. Looking for more? Visit InThisLeague.com right now.